welcome to our Kingdom Culture Podcast. For today's message, we are thankful for what God is doing through this podcast to encourage and transform lives around the world. If you have a story to share about how God has encouraged or transformed your life through this podcast, we would love to hear about it by emailing us at mystory@kingdomculture.ca. If you would like to support this ministry financially to help us bring messages like this to you every week, you can do so online at kingdomculture.ca at the give option. We also would love to connect with you on our social media, on Instagram and Twitter at KC Ottawa and Facebook at Facebook slash Kingdom Culture Ottawa. We pray that you would experience God today and be encouraged through today's message. Enjoy! But uh, we're going to be diving into the book of Jonah, and I just believe God's going to speak to us. In fact, today, I really believe that God is going to reveal some things to us that will have, I believe, um, strength for us to pivot and redirect because possibly many of us have been going in the wrong direction, maybe the opposite direction of where God wants us to go. And I believe today God's going to speak to us, speak to many of us watching right now, and he's going to cause us to kind of redirect our attention towards the direction that God wants to take us in this season. I think for a lot of us, and I know this has kind of been like a current or reoccurring type of a theme or type of a statement or type of an encouragement. A lot of us in this season, especially if you live in Canada, live in Ontario, have been feeling this desire to find the exit, to, to find the escape. How do I get out of this season? How do I, how do we escape this season? You know, moving to Florida, you know, moving to Texas, moving to the free states, you know, where there's no lockdown and, 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 you know, there's a little more freedom than there is right here in Ontario. And I think a lot of us in hard seasons try to find a way out. And so we're going to be talking about Jonah's journey in this same area. He tried to find a way out. So We're going to dive into this. The subject this morning, rather than reading a scripture first, I'm going to give you the title. The subject is the realities of the escape. Now, this is part one, okay? So the realities of the escape, write that down. Now, just before we read uh, the passage, we're going to dive into the first chapter of Jonah today, and we're going to try to take, you know, each week, a little bit of a, a piece of it each time. I'm not going to do an exegetical breakdown of every little thing, but we are going to dive in a little bit by piece by piece and highlight key parts of Jonah's story. Okay, so Jonah uh, is known actually as a prophet, and you can read that in 1 Kings chapter 14, and he served as a prophet in the time of King Jeroboam, okay, the time of Jeroboam the second who reigned in the first half of the 8th century B.C., okay? So you can read a little bit about that in 1 Kings chapter 14, verse 25. He actually was the only known prophet, as far as the way he went about it, the only known prophet to attempt to run away from a divinely appointed mission. You know, we have guys like Elijah who felt suicidal in a moment, but he wasn't necessarily running away from a specific mission per se. Jeremiah didn't want to speak because he was too young. And God said, you know, it doesn't matter about how young you are. I want you to speak. It wasn't that he was rejecting or running away from a divinely appointed mission. It was more of a calling, you know. So we have Jonah actually, who was a prophet, who knew his calling, but ran away from a specific mission, didn't want to do what God wanted him to do. And he was from, uh, actually from Galilee, the town of Gath Hefner, from the town of Galilee. Interesting, because 
as we read the book of Jonah, we're going to see a lot of parallels over the next several weeks of Jonah and Jesus. Jonah, a lot of scholars would look at Jonah as a type of Christ for many different reasons. And even he's referenced in the Gospels, even connected to, you know, Jesus's death and resurrection. We'll get there at some point. But there's lots of correlation between Jesus and Jonah. And we're gonna, gonna kind of break that down over time, look at some symbolic imagery. And uh, I just believe we're gonna just see Jesus in a whole new light on top of understanding a little bit deeper this story of Jonah. Now, you know that, or we know, maybe you don't know until I read it, Jonah's escape, okay, his escape was from a city called Nineveh. God told him, I want you to go to Nineveh. You're going to preach this, this message of judgment because of the wickedness. And, and Nineveh was just too overwhelming. Now, just before we dive into the story, I'm going to give you a little bit of a breakdown of some of these key areas so we understand as we read a little more. Sometimes when we read the scripture, it's like without understanding context or meanings or how things represent certain things, we kind of miss parts of really the importance or significance of some of the details. So Nineveh was a city, and it was actually the capital of the Assyrian Empire, okay? And it was home to 120,000 residents. It was twice the size of Babylon, and in fact, it was probably the largest city in the known world at that time, okay? So <clears throat> when you think of Nineveh, Nineveh as a city, and you think of Jonah's call by God to preach a message of judgment to this capital, this Assyrian of the Assyrian Empire, 120,000 resident, uh, residents. It would take three days to walk through the whole city and see it all. It was a very big city, the largest probably in that time to the known world. So you can imagine just from a location or from a geographical standpoint, it was very intimidating for Jonah. So when you think about why Jonah just wanted an escape plan or why he wanted to exit away from the call or the mission that God had called him to, think about the magnitude of what he was up against. And I think a lot of us can relate to when God calls us to something, it, it usually feels way bigger than our abilities. It feels way bigger than our uh, current status or education or skill sets or talents. It feels way bigger than what we feel in our own strength we are capable of. And that's a kind of exactly the way God approaches it all with all of us as humans. Every mission that he calls us to is supposed to be and will be and is always bigger than our own strength so that we can learn to rely and lean in on him. His strength, okay? So I so wanted to give you a little bit of a, of a caption or an understanding of Nineveh. It's actually the ruins of Nineveh are actually right, just right near what would be considered now Mosul, Iraq today, okay? So just to give you a little bit of an insight of where we are talking about here. Now, Tarshish, Tarshish, okay, which we'll read in a second, which was the place where Jonah um escaped too, okay? So God calls him to go to Nineveh, and he goes the opposite way, goes to Tarshish, okay? It would have been considered the furthest known place away in the total opposite direction of where God had called him to go, which was Nineveh. Tarshish, uh, some scholars believe, was would have been in southern Spain, as far as southern Spain. Others believe it was northern Africa. So to, just to give you a little bit of a picture, like, the, the radical difference between these two spaces. Okay, so let's dive into this for a second now. Jonah chapter one, I gave you a little bit of a backdrop, hope you remember all that, okay? Jonah chapter one, verse one, we're gonna read it 
from the beginning, okay? I'm gonna read it out of the New Living Translation. The Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amittai. Jonah, by the way, the name Jonah, which we may break down later on at some point, uh, and the significance of it, it uh, means dove, okay? It can mean, one of the definitions means dove, okay? So Jonah, dove, son of Amittai, the father, that that the name of his father, Amittai, means truth. So you have dove, interesting, and you have truth, okay? So the Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amittai, um, uh, numbered verse two, get up and go to the great city, remember the capital of the Assyrian Empire, the great city of Nineveh, 120,000 residents, twice the size of Babylon, very big, daunting task, daunting city, announce my judgment against it because I have seen how wicked its people are. But Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction, okay? He went in the opposite direction. He's God's called him to go one way and he's like, peace out. I'm going the total opposite way. I think all of us probably at some point, if you are in relationship with God right now, can attest to the fact that at some point in our journey, we went the opposite way of the way that God was telling us to go. Maybe to this day, you still are living in regret because you felt like you forfeited, gave up, quit, and you went the opposite way of what God told you to do. And somehow you're living in the, not only the regret of that, but somehow what feels like the belly of a whale. We'll get into that maybe a little bit later or next week, okay? So, but Jonah got up one of the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. Like he could, you know, God, one of his one of his great attributes is that he's omnipresent, which means he's everywhere. Omni, he's everywhere, okay? So somehow Jonah missed it. He's a prophet. You'd think he would have known the nature of God a little more. I mean, prophets in the Old Testament were like likened to or considered like the the stand-ins for God. They were the representations of God between God and the people, okay? Just as the priests were. So here we have this prophet who somehow believes he can get away from the Lord, okay? So he wanted to escape from the Lord. He went down to a port of Joppa, and I've been in this area actually when I was in Israel last, where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. Okay, remember, the furthest away he could go, okay, north, uh, southern Spain or possibly northern Africa, verse four. But the Lord hurled a powerful wind over the sea, causing a violent storm that threatened to break the ship apart, fearing for their lives, verse five, okay, fearing for their lives, the desperate sailors shouted to their gods for help and threw the cargo overboard to lighten the ship. But all this time, Jonah was sound asleep in the hold. Kind of sounds like somebody else in the New Testament that was also asleep in a storm, right? We'll get there in a, in a little bit, possibly. Verse 5, fearing for their lives, desperate sailors shouted to their gods to help them through the cargo overboard and over the ship. But all this time, Jonah was sound asleep down in the hold. Verse 6, so the captain went down after him. How can you sleep at a time like this? Kind of sounds like, don't you care that we're perishing in this storm? while we're supposed to be catching fish. Anyways, he shouted, get up and pray to your God. Maybe he will pay attention to us and spare our lives. Verse seven, then the crew cast lots, which was a common practice in that day, to see which of them had offended the gods and caused the terrible storm. So while we're there, let's just pause there for a second. In this 
polytheistic context of the ancient world, which really means there was multiple gods. These sailors, okay, each of them would have had uh, different gods that they would have worshipped according to the region that they were born in or from, okay? So very polytheistic in the sense of versus Jonah who served one god, the Hebrew god, okay, the creator of the heavens and the earth, land and the sea, which he references later on in the actual passage in the story, which I'll read in a few moments, uh, these sellers didn't believe in a mono, monotheistic one, okay? They had a polytheistic mindset where multiple gods, okay? So you have a god, I have a god, we have multiple gods, okay? So in this context, okay, they generally could identify when it was divine activity and they could be confident about it. When it what I mean by that is when they saw the storm, they went into this peaceful, peaceful situation, okay? They were obviously seasoned sailors. They knew what they were doing. But then all of a sudden, the way the storm looked, they were so um, used to this type of thing happening based upon their own belief systems that they could identify with confidence that this must be punishment by uh, for one of the people on the ship, which is why they cast lots, even though they knew it was Jonah, because Jonah had already said what he was doing when he paid them to take them, take him to Tarshish, okay, which is another part of of the story, okay. But but they, they obviously could identify with confidence that this wasn't happening by random. They didn't just randomly come into a storm. There must be a reason why this storm was happening, okay. So just wanted to give a little bit of clarity on that, which is why because you hear their response, well, let's cast lots, figure out why this is happening, okay? It wasn't just like, oh, we missed the weather report and, um, you know, we're on the wrong wrong side of the sea, you know? It was like, they knew this was not normal, okay? This was, pay attention, something's off. Somebody in the ship, okay, is off, and that's why we're being judged right now, okay? So just wanted to clarify that. That's why they were uh, casting lots, okay? Who offended the gods, okay? So verse seven, uh, when they did this, the lots identified Jonah as the culprit. Verse 8, why has this awful storm come down on us, they demanded. Who are you? What is your line of work? What country are you from? What is your nationality? Verse 9, Jonah answered, I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. Now, very important we see that because in a polytheistic uh, view or standpoint, every one of those sailors would have had a different opinion. So, you know, their God might have created heaven. Their God might have created the sea. There was difference. But here, here Jonah is saying, no, 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 guys, my God is the God here. My God is the one true God, the Hebrew God. I worship him. He created it all. He created the sea, the land, because he was, he knew he was, he knew who he was talking to. He knew that you, you believe this and you believe a little bit of this, but here I'm telling you, I believe in the one true God who created it all. Verse 10, the sailors were terrified when they heard this, for he had already told them he was running away from the Lord. So they already knew. They already knew at the force, at the at the beginning that probably was Jonah, but they still wanted to cast lots to see, and they knew he was running from the Lord. Oh, why did you do it? They groaned, verse 11. And since the storm was getting worse all the time, they asked him, what should we do to stop the storm? Verse 12, I love this. Jonah, the prophet that he is, knows the answer. <laughs> Throw me into the sea, Jonah said, and it will become calm again. I know that this is I know that this terrible storm is my fault, all my fault. Instead, the sailors rowed even harder to get the ship to land, but the stormy sea was too violent for them, and they couldn't make it. 
Now, also understand the reason why the sellers didn't just jump at the first thought of throwing them into the sea, okay, you think they would? It's because in their view, in their mind, you know, the way that they were brought up to believe about the gods, the gods really valued human life. They needed human life for worship. They needed human life as part of their interaction, okay? So there's no way we're going to sacrifice something so important to what we know as the gods. We're not going to do that, okay? But it goes on to uh, describe a little more. It become, it'll become calm again. Verse 13. Instead, the sailors rode even harder to get the ship to the land. But the stormy sea was too violent for them, and they couldn't make it. Then they cried out to the Lord, Jonah's God. It's like switching gods here, okay? It's like <laughs> all the gods that I've ever known my whole life. Now I'm talking to Jonah's God. I don't even know Jonah's God. Oh, Lord, they pleaded, don't make us die for this man's sin. And don't hold us responsible for his death. Oh, Lord, you have sent the storm upon him for your own good reasons. Verse 15. Then the sellers picked up Jonah. <laughs> so they, they prayed. They talked to Jonah. and said, okay, we're going to sacrifice. <laughs> we're going to sacrifice the guy who worships the guy that we're talking to right now. Okay, so I think just think it's funny when I read some of this stuff. Verse 15. Then the sellers picked up Jonah and threw him into the raging sea, and the storm stopped at once. Imagine this for a second, you know, I think, so I pick up Jonah, throw him into the sea, it stops, I'm thinking now, okay, maybe can I, can I go rescue the guy? Like, do I see him? Did he just sink to the bottom like a, a ton of bricks? Like, where did Jonah all of a sudden go? You know, it's funny, we don't know all the full details, but I just, I think about, I wonder like how, how the logic goes in this process, right? Then the sailors picked up Jonah, threw him into the raging sea, storm stopped at once, verse 16. The sailors were awestruck by the Lord's great power. This was actually now a sign for them. It went from a sign for Jonah to all of a sudden a sign that the God that Jonah serves must be the legit one true God, okay? And so they, they were awestruck by the Lord's great power and they offered him a sacrifice and vowed to serve him. Here we go, it's like, forget these other gods, Forget all the gods that I've ever grown up worshiping, okay? The gods who supposedly created heaven. I'm now focusing on the God who supposedly created land, sea, heaven, earth, at all. Jonah's God. I just saw a miracle in front of my eyes. And therefore, now this miracle moves from just getting Jonah's attention to getting all of the sailors on the boat's attention. Wild. I love this. Verse uh, 16. So they, they made a vow. They, they, made a, they offered him a sacrifice. So they were going to serve him. Verse 17, the last verse, I promise. Now the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. Now we're going to stop there because I'm actually not going to dive into that portion of this yet. Probably until next week, okay? So let's just talk about really the first, um, you know, I'd say first 15 verses. First 15 verses of this stories. I think so much as we go into this, so much of our lives are spent trying to escape hard things. We have Nineveh, remember this big, daunting, overwhelming city. How can you call me to, to, to come and speak judgment over this city when it's just, it, it, I, I just feel like a small fish in a very big pond. That's probably what Jonah felt like no pun intended, but he, he, this is what he was probably going through in his head. It was hard. It was, it was, it was scary for him. 
He probably thought, I'm going to be rejected. This is going to be the demise of my prophethood. There's no way I'm going to make it. Like, how can I go into this city and prophesy the destruction? You know, what if I'm wrong? What if I miss it? What if I maybe didn't hear properly? Is disobedience maybe a little better in this scenario than obedience and then being killed because of my prophecy of judgment that's going to come on this city? And I, I want to ask you the question, can you ever or even right now in this season relate to any part of Jonah's story where you have something heavy, hard, big, daunting, scary, fearful in your life that you're facing that you know you're supposed to do. You really feel like God called you to do it, but it's outside of what feels secure for you, what feels stable for you, what feels comfortable for you. It feels too, way too stretching. It feels way too overwhelming. And rather than going in the direction of overwhelming, you go in the direction of what feels underwhelming. You go under the into the direction where it feels more peaceful. It feels more temporary, like temporary relief. But the thing is, the consequence of temporary relief far, far outweighs the consequence of going the hard way. Because the consequence of temporary relief that comes from disobedience has a lot more long-term effects. The consequences and the hard things that come as a result of going the overwhelming way have a lot more beneficial long-term effects, but we don't see those until we move into the overwhelming thing, move into the daunting thing, the scary thing, the fearful thing. And I think timing, timing is everything. Timing is everything. I think we miss so much on what God has for us because of timing. Jonah missed the timing of God. He missed the moment and had to go through a process of almost killing or almost seeing the demise of those around him because of his disobedience. It affects more than just him or us when we miss out on what God wants us to do. You know, I, I want to encourage you, if you're not subscribed to my Supernatural Leadership podcast, this is a shameless plug. I think it will really encourage your leadership in whatever facet of life you're a leader in. I just did an interview, it was launched this week with Alvin Shun, very successful businessman, entrepreneur, um, very active in the not-for-profit world. He's also a, a pastor as well. He's very diverse in his, uh, in his impact, in his influence, in his leadership. One of his companies that he's he's really partnered with right now was just featured in the last year and a half on Shark Tank, and uh, they had an amazing run with them. And I'd encourage you, listen to this podcast. It's all about stewardship. It's all about faithfulness, not giving in, not giving up, and being faithful with what God's given you over and over again onto the road of success. And I think Jonah's story is kind of a little bit like this, but almost the opposite effects of that. And I want to encourage you to listen to that podcast. I think it would really encourage you, especially in this time. I was thinking about the title here. I know we haven't got into the points yet, and uh, we're pretty far into this message so far, but I was thinking about the title, about the realities of the escape. And I was thinking about the fear that we live in often when we're always thinking about the exit. How do we get out? How do we get out of the situation? I remember there was this guy that 
you know, I used to, to hang out with. And I remember one time we were at a movie and we were talking just about his, his sort of intuitive nature and how he kind of thinks and how he's always aware of everybody around him and the potential dangers that could happen. He's always like one or two, three, I'd say sometimes five steps ahead of everybody. And one of the things he said to me when we were in a movie together is the first thing that he does is always maps out where the exits are. He wants to know where the exits are. He wants to know if he's in a room, in a place, whether it's big, small, or medium size. He wants to know if I have to make an escape, I want to know where the exit is. And I think that that's good to, to a degree, but I think it can also be dangerous because if we're always applying that same principle into every area of our life, we'll never be 100% present. We'll never be 100% present in the thing, in the thing that God's called us to do. We'll never be 100% faithful. We'll never be fully, uh, we'll never fully occupy this stewardship um, expectation that God has over our lives to do the best with what we have because we're always thinking of, if it doesn't work out, I have a way out. It's my escape clause. I want to know that I can escape if something doesn't go the way I, I, that I planned. And I think that a lot of us think this way. And this is what Jonah was living. This is what Jonah was experiencing. He had already planned his escape route before he even tried the hard thing of going to Nineveh. Before he even attempted, he was like, as soon as he heard the word, he's like, I'm down to Joppa. I'm, by, I'm paying for the first ship. I'm going to hire a bunch of sailors. And we're going to go to the furthest away place possible that we could go to escape God like you could never actually escape God. I think this is kind of like, you know, plan B, fallback plan, strat like these exit strategies can be really dangerous for us because we start, we stop being present in what God has called us to and in the moment. So number one, I want to give you four keys today, four keys. And, uh, you know, if it doesn't, if we don't get through it all, maybe we'll split this message up into two parts. Who knows? We'll just see. The reality of escaping in any season, okay, in the wrong timing is always the wrong way. Number one, write that down. The first reality of the escape is that we need to know, the first reality, first outcome that we need to realize in trying to escape something that God's not called us to escape or exit is that it's always the wrong way. Now, I say wrong timing, and I, I kind of reference timing, my Alvin, my, my interview with Alvin Chun, because there are some things that God will cause us to exit according to his timing, okay? But that's not what we're talking about today. So there's things that we do outside of God's timing where we escape prematurely, and we end up aborting so much of what God wants to give us in and through our life. So number one, write this down, it's always the wrong way. The right way is always his way. No matter how hard it feels, no matter how daunting it feels, overwhelming it feels, Nineveh was that way for Jonah. But Tarshish became the exit, became the escape route, and it didn't go well for him. Remember, it says in verse 1, chapter 1 of Jonah, the Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amittai, get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it because I've seen how wicked its people are. In verse three, he went the wrong way. Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction. He went the wrong way. It's always the wrong way not doing God's plan or not going the way that God's called us to go. And I think so many of us, especially in a season, are tempted to go the wrong way, tempted to go in the opposite 
direction. There's been so many times in this last, like, 16 months that I'm like, God, like, my whole world has been flipped upside down. Our whole world has been flipped upside down. Like, I have friends that are doing life as normal in places like Nashville, Florida, all over the U.S., all over the world, and here we are in Ontario. It's like, it's not been normal for 16 months. And there's, I, I would be remiss, I would be lying to say that I have not gone through moments when I'm like, man, like, Tarshish just feels better right now. Like, I this, how do we continue to go in this direction? And and I'm I'm kind of like radically, or you know, I'm radicalizing the the season in a sense of like, you know, this pandemic is not like Nineveh. Okay, I'm not. It's not. It's but at some at some level, doing things the way we've been doing it feels like Nineveh in moments. It just feels like daunting. It just feels like I miss people. You know, I miss my my whole world for like 18 years was when it comes to ministry was with the people and now I'm with a camera I see you through a lens each and every week well actually I don't see you you see me okay so that's even worse so you see me but I don't see you and so there's been moments that I've been like man like this is just not this is just not fun you know <laughs> but I have to I'm just being honest but but the holy spirit quickly brings me back quickly brings me back because I know I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be that prophet. I don't want to be that prophet that has to spend three nights in the belly of some sort of struggle uh, to realize that it's 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 God's plan to continue on to Nineveh, to continue on in this pandemic and do what we're doing each and every week the best that we know how. You know, that's why I'm super excited about, you know, coming up into several weeks here where I'm going to be able to see some of you in the flesh and just really encounter God together. I'm like so excited for that. So anyways, continuing on here. That was a little bit of a uh, honest, vulnerable rabbit trail. So, and uh, hopefully it, it made a little bit of sense. But number one, it's always the wrong way. This is the realities of this game. Number two, it will never work out as planned. If you're trying to escape something right now, if you're trying to find an exit strategy right now, let me just tell you your strategy and your plan of what's gonna happen after you exit this season prematurely, after you quit this job prematurely, after you end this relationship prematurely, after you end whatever it is that you're doing right now that's hard, that feels like Nineveh, that feels giant to you. When you exit and you escape, not according to God's plan, but according to your own fear, the plan afterwards will never work out as planned. And in fact, either way, even when we do God's thing, God's way, and we have sort of ideas of how it's gonna roll out, it never rolls out that way, ever, 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 ever. Nobody in scripture, you'll never find anybody, any prophet, any priest, any leader, any disciple, any apostle, uh, anybody in scripture where they were able to predict exactly how everything was gonna go. And because I guarantee you, if they did, they'd be running all the time away from God, okay? I'm sure Jonah had moments in the past where God called him to do something, and he did it, and it was hard, he hated it. And that's why when God called him to go to Nineveh, he's like, I smell this, I know what's gonna go down. In fact, we kind of get a clue near the end of this chapter. Jonah has this feeling that it's just not going to go down. He's going to prophesy and God's going to change his mind and he's going to look foolish. And so there's no way 
I'm going down that road again. And I guarantee you, some of you watching right now have said to God, there's no way I'm going down that road again. You called me to do this 10 years ago. I did it, and it was the worst season of my life. And now you want me to do this again? No way. I'm running in the opposite direction. So many of us, I guarantee us right now, watching have gone through moments in our mind like that. Maybe you didn't actually choose to go the opposite direction, but you definitely thought about going in the opposite direction. So it will never work out as planned, Jonah 1 verse 4, but the Lord hurled a powerful wind over the sea, causing a violent storm that threatened to break the ship apart. So Jonah wasn't expecting that, guaranteed. He's like hanging out, having a sleep in the bow of the, in the bottom of the boat somewhere, passed out. Meanwhile, the sailors that he hired to, to take him to Tarshish, they're like fearing for their lives. The ship's about to break apart. It's not going out, going as planned. He's trying to escape from the Lord, going to the furthest place possible to, you know, southern Spain. And uh, here, we, here we are. Already, God's interrupting the plan. He's interrupting the disobedience, okay? And so I think this is a great example of what happens to all of us when we try to do things our own way. Number three, number three, it affects those around you. The realities of the escape, when you try to escape or exit a season prematurely, is that it affects those around you. It affects the people in your boat, in your life. You know, we talk about this, Paul, over and over again, especially in the, the book of the letters to the Corinthian church, talks about the power of the body. And when every member is doing their thing God's way, obedient to fulfilling the purpose in their own life. It actually brings strength to the others in their life. It brings strength. We talked about not too long ago about the power of, uh, of, of a grove of trees where they're, you know, they're, they're all together and their root systems, you know, join together. When every, every tree is doing its part and growing and, and is rooted and planted, they all end up joining together and the roots begin to intertwine. And so to pull one tree down means to pull the others down with it, and that's impossible. And so, you know, this is the power of when we are all operating and doing the thing that God's called us to do. And when we're not, guess what? The opposite happens. It affects those around you. There's somebody right now in your life that needs you to be the best version of you. There's somebody in your life right now that needs you to be in full surrender to God because when you are, you're the best version of yourself. You love your wife, you love your husband, you love your kids the way that God's called you to love them. There's someone right now in your workplace that needs you to be the best version of you. When you're not, it affects the project that you're working on. It affects the morale in the office. It affects the atmosphere in the office. Somebody needs you right now to fulfill the calling of God over your life. And if you don't, guess what? Not only will someone else take up your, your mantle, take up your calling and fulfill your purpose, I believe that, but there's other people around you that won't be able to be the best version of themselves because you aren't. And I'm talking about people that are closely connected here. It's like these sellers were closely connected in proximity to Jonah's disobedience. And by virtue, it was like they were being punished for Jonah's failure to walk with God. Now, this can sound like, wow, well, like, does that mean we're all being punished for everybody else's sin? No, I'm not saying that. I don't want to go down that rabbit trail right now. What I am saying is that think of it this way. When everybody in the body of Christ is operating and going towards the purposes of God in their life, it's just a healthier state of being. It's a healthier 
body. It's a healthier church. It's a healthier community. It's a healthier business. It's a healthier nonprofit organization. This applies to every area, healthier family. When every kid, everybody's occupying their space, responsible for what they're responsible for, fulfilling the, the purposes of God in their life, the family unit gets stronger. When one is off the rails, it affects you guys. It affects everybody else. It divides, it disjoins, it, it, it breaks down unity, it breaks down the love factor. It just does. It's a, you know, you're never gonna find anybody, any team out there. Like people always say, you're as strong as your weakest link. And there's truth to that. God wants us to be strong equally, not equal in responsibility, not equal in gifting and talent and and all this kind of stuff. I'm talking about like there's an equal sort of we're all in this together. We're pushing forward. We're moving forward. This is why we do this every week, to hopefully help the community become strong together continually in Jesus' name. So here, here we are. It affects those around you not living out your calling. You see this, Jonah chapter one, verse five, fearing for their lives. The desperate sailors shouted to their gods for help and they threw their cargo overboard to lighten the ship. But all this time, Jonah was sound asleep or sound asleep down in the hold. Number four, the last thing that this escape plan, this last reality that this escape, you know, mindset does to us is it dulls our senses. It dulls your senses. Jonah chapter one, verse five, fearing for their lives, back to what I just said, but highlighting the last part of the verse. It says, but all this time, Jonah was sound asleep down in the hold. So the captain went down after him. How can you sleep at a time like this? I'll tell you how. Your senses get so dulled in disobedience that you start literally almost ignoring the realities around you ignoring the storms around you, but you can't. You actually can't for very long. You might make it through a little bit, but you're gonna get woken up eventually. You're gonna get woken up. Someone's gonna wake you up. Something's gonna wake you up because eventually you have to deal with the storm. You have to deal with the storm that maybe you caused. And I'm, I'm talking now figuratively here. Maybe there's a storm right now that we have caused because of disobedience or moving in the opposite direction. And I think all of us at some level, at some point has caused a spiritual storm in our lives because we didn't do the thing the way that God wanted us to do it. Now, this is not to promote, I hope you're not hearing this, this God's up there like waiting for a perfection from you and if you don't do it the way that he wants to do it, he's like, he's sending tornadoes here. I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about we miss out and we miss out on the explosion of growth and maturity in our life by not doing the things the way that God wants us to do them. We end up engaging spiritual storms that we don't have to engage because that may feel like at times like maybe this is a consequence of my actions. Maybe this is not the best version of my life right now. However you want to language it, like good versus the best. I can be living my best life right now, but right now it feels like the storm just feels like I'm living my good. I'm living just good. I'm living just okay, mediocre. I'm living, it's kind of complacent. I'm, I'm getting a little bit dulled out. And so that's why Jonah could sleep during this storm because he didn't want to face reality. Facing your disobedience is a really hard thing. 
Because then you have to be honest with yourself. You have to be honest and now go through a whole process of vulnerability all over again and realize, wow, I just spent all this money sailing to Tarshish, which I'm never gonna get to, only to have my exit plan interrupted by a God who I can never escape. Now I'm affecting the lives of those around me. This is just like a, a shame-filled moment for, for Jonah. He's like, and I'm sleeping. I'm completely ignoring my reality. It's like, put on some more reality TV. Put on some more TV binge-watching Netflix. Let's just escape reality because I don't want to face the storms in my life right now. But eventually, something's going to come knocking at your door and wake you up from your slumber to make you realize that you're not living the best version of you. You're not doing the best version of you. You're just kinda sailing through life and there's storms raging all around you. So you could just imagine the shame that Jonah must have felt in this moment, which brought him to the place where he's like, hey, listen, I know the answer. You gotta throw me into the sea. I need to get off this ship. Once I get off this ship, there will be peace. There'll be peace on this ship. And so, as you know, the story goes on, and we're going to dive in a little bit more in the, in the weeks coming on some more really powerful, I believe, instructions from God that we can get from this story. But as I said in the beginning, there's so many similarities between Jonah and Jesus, and we'll continue to unravel this throughout as we talk about Jonah. And uh, one of the, the similarities I love is the fact that we have Jonah who represents in this moment this disobedient prophet. Then we have Jesus who represents this obedient prophet. Both of them slept in a storm. We see in Mark chapter 4, verse 38, Jesus was sleeping in the back of the boat with his head on a cushion, and the disciples woke him up shouting, teacher, don't you care that we're going down? A little bit of context, they were in a storm, crazy storm, an unusual storm, a storm that was not expected by these trained seasoned fishermen, and they were instructed by Jesus, who was sleeping in the storm, actually, to go across to the other side. He said, let us go across to the other side. He gave them a promise. We're gonna make it. And because I gave you a promise, I want you to live from that promise. So he went to sleep because he knew that he was going to make it. But he wanted his disciples to learn that when he gives the instruction, you follow. You lean in. Jonah missed it. God said, I want you to go to, no, I want, I want you to, go to Nineveh. You're going to make it. But instead, he went the opposite way. And his storm took him out. His storm was a rude awakening. The, the, the storm that Jesus went through was a rude awakening, not for Jesus, but for his disciples, because he wanted his disciples to model what it looks like to speak to the storms in our life. Jonah had to go into the water to calm the storm. All the disciples had to do was speak to the storm, and it would calm down. So Jesus gets up, obviously, you know the story, and says, peace, be still. I just believe in this season right now that the word of God for you right now watching, you tried to escape the season prematurely. You tried to quit your job, tried to quit your relationship. You're on the edge. Maybe you're about to. Maybe you just did. I don't know. And there's storms raging all around you as a result or about to rage around you as a result. And I just want to declare this over you that Jesus in this season is declaring over these storms right now that have come as a result of you trying to find an escape. Peace be still. He's speaking peace to your storm right now. He wants you to win 
you guys, in this season. If you're in Ontario, he wants you to win. He wants you to make it through with power on the other side. He wants you to make it through. He wants to refine you, develop you, deepen you, train your leadership more. He wants you to advance, mature, and move into all that he's created you to become. That's his heart for you. Peace, be still. If you're watching, maybe you've never said yes to Jesus before. Maybe you've never uh, embraced this relationship. Maybe you feel like there's storms raging on the inside of you. You don't know what's up. You don't know what's down. You don't even know if you believe in God. I just believe that you came onto this broadcast, not by chance, but for a divine purpose. Just like those sailors were on that ship. Even though it was a disobedient decision Jonah made, God turned that thing around and showed those sailors who the one true God was. I just believe whatever situation that you've come from or are in right now. It's all led to this, and God wants to show himself strong to you in this season. I want to give you an opportunity right now, if you're watching, just to say yes and let him into the ship of your life. Maybe you've been coasting on stormy seas in this last season. And I just believe Jesus is speaking over and over you, over the storm. You let me into your boat and you watch what I can do. You watch how the storms just stop all around you. I think they'll stop forever because they're always gonna have storms, but now the difference is you're not facing the storms alone. You have Jesus in your boat through all of the storms. So if that's you and you wanna say yes and let him into your life right now, I wanna give you an invitation. All you have to do is say yes. All you have to do is open up your heart, say, I have received your forgiveness. Romans 10 says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, that he was raised from the dead, you will be saved. All you have to do is say, yes, I receive right now. It's the greatest gift. Romans talks about it, Paul talks about it as the gift of eternal life. The wages of sin was death. The wages, the payment for sin was death. But guess what? Jesus paid the debt, his body, Everything he went through paid the debt. His blood was literally the payment for your sin mortgage. He paid the whole sin mortgage off for you to free you of the debt that you would have owed because of sin. Jesus was the one last sacrifice for your sin. And if you wanna say yes to him, it's the best decision you'll ever make. Just repeat this with me. Say, Jesus, I receive your forgiveness. I want you to calm the storm around me right now. I want you to come into my boat. I want a relationship with you. From this day forward, I'm moving forward with you in relationship. I believe you're God. I believe that you are the leader and that you wanna lead me forward in this life. If you have a plan for my life, I wanna move in your direction, in Jesus' name. I believe that you are raised from the dead on the third day just like that you raised Jonah out of the belly of the whale on the third day. I believe that you were raised from the dead. And I, as you were raised from the dead, you are also, you've given me new life today in Jesus' name. If you said that prayer and you meant it, it's the best decision you'll have ever made in your life. For everyone else and including you that made that decision, I wanna pray for you this morning. God, I pray that you would redirect us if we've been going off track. It could be as small as, our prayer life. It could be as small as we've stopped praying for certain things because they're not happening on our timeline. It could be as small as, you know, eating habits or different habits that we have throughout the day that aren't 
the thing that you want us to do that are just kind of distracting our life. Or it could be as big as quitting a job that we weren't supposed to quit or quitting on a specific calling or purpose that we had in our heart or a goal or a target that we tried to meet or a relationship, whatever the case may be for you. God, I pray for those watching right now that you would heal our hearts and speak speak peace to the storm in Jesus' name, that you'd overwhelm us with your presence right now in a real way. Overwhelm us right now. Overwhelm us, God. Give us what we need to move forward in this next season in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Hey, we love you, Kingdom Culture. I hope that encouraged you. I know it went a little bit longer, especially if you compare this week to last week, but uh, we're gonna dive a little more into Jonah over the next few weeks, so stay tuned. Keep coming back on Sunday, and we'll see you next week. Wow, what an incredible message by Pastor Sean. If you were impacted by this message, maybe you were there watching uh, and you never been exposed to this. Maybe you landed on this channel by, you think by mistake, but God has a plan for your yeah. life. He wants to walk in relationship with you. You can make the best decision of your life, which is to welcome and to accept Jesus yeah. in your heart. That's awesome. And if you've made that decision, mm -hmm. we want to hear from you. Just email us at prayer at kingdomculture.ca. Yes. Okay, so that's it for today, yes, guys. So that's it. Subscribe Happy to this channel. Sunday. Happy we Sunday. We love you. And enjoy. It's going to be it's beautiful out there. Enjoy the soleil.